Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. Can we just give a round of applause to anybody who's watching online right now? Can you just say welcome to them? We love you, we miss you, we can't wait to see you. And so I know right now we're at like every other seat and we're trying to do that intentionally right now. Um, and so we're doing the two services right now uh, for as long as we have to. But our hope and our goal is eventually uh, our whole worship team will be back. Eventually we will have coffee for you. Eventually we will have kids ministry for you and all of those things. And, uh, you know, right now we have even people that have to wipe, you know, wipe your tushy for you in the bathroom. So hopefully we can have all that, I'm kidding, have all that back to normal, it's okay to laugh in church, it's okay, alright, yes, pastor can say tushy or even behind her butt from the stage, alright, um, the, uh, the thing I want to do though before I jump into the message today is this, is I want to pray for those of you who are fathers this morning, and uh, how, how many fathers do we have, just, just out of curiosity, who are the dads here that we have this morning, alright, and so I want to pray for our dads and I want to pray for our men, and I just want you to listen to me right now. Uh, very carefully, if you are a guy within this room right now, I'm talking to you right now. So even if you're a teenager, you're a guy right now, I want you to listen because God has put a special anointing on you. God's order is perfect and it's biblical. You are called to be the biblical man of that house. You are called to be the one God has told you. You are called to live out the gifts that God has given you. Maybe, maybe you have a family with kids that are from somebody else. God has called you there for such a time as this. God has given you this responsibility and he doesn't take it lightly. And so he wants to fill you with grace and with love and with compassion and the leadership that you need to do what God has enabled you to do. And so lean into him today. I want to pray for you right now. And so would you just join me praying for the men that are within this church right now. God, I pray for the men within our church. Lord, we prayed for those during the first service. I pray for those that are here present and those online listening right now. God, would you just offer a special blessing to those who call themselves dads today. Those that you have created for a purpose as men to live out for you today, God. I thank you for those men. And God, I believe that you're calling them to be strong. You're calling them to be confident yet humble in sight with you. And so today, give them everything they need to live out their life for you in front of their kids, in front of their family, in front of all. God, give them the grace because, Lord, I know they do a lot that no one else sees. They have a lot that goes on in their heart that no one else sees. And God, I just pray that you would fill them back up with what they need today. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, one last thing that I want to share uh, here this morning for all is you probably saw a road construction sign on your way in. This road will be closed uh, from tomorrow through Friday or Saturday. It'll be fine on Sunday. Uh, however, if you want to come in and say hi to Derek or I during the week, you can come up Cleary to here and we're open. So just, just know that uh, that will be open. What they're doing, I have no idea. Um, that, that's just road construction, isn't it? So uh, let me just share this for a while. I don't know about you, but for 
us to be here, we had to have a mom and a dad. And some of us have great relationships with our parents. Some of us don't. Some of us know them. Some of us don't. And so just know that God's the perfect father for you. But I want to talk about our childhood a little bit here before I jump into the message. How many of you remember when you were eight? Remember? Just just think back. Some of you are like, I am eight. No. Uh, now, if you're too old to remember, that's okay. Stay with me. Uh, no. Uh, when I was eight, I was obnoxious, man. I was just a little dweeb. I, I caused so much trouble with my sister. And I just, man, she was two and a half years younger than me. And, you know, I remember some of our family time. We'd go up to this cabin on Smith Lake in Alexandria, Minnesota. We'd go fishing together and all that time. And, and then we'd go out swimming and, you know, we'd try to kill each other playing Marco Polo, you know, out in the water. And, and then we'd go up to the resort lodge. And I don't know if you remember this, but you remember they had these little candies that they would sell in candy stores years ago, and they were really cheap. You remember how cheap they were? They were how much per piece? They were a penny, okay? They were a penny per piece of candy. And so I would be excited to go up to the cabin up north. And so I would go into the little resort lodge and I would go through all the little candy bins. And my favorite candy of all during that time were these little ones that were wrapped in like this strawberry little paper. And it had like an extra paper in the middle of it. And you opened it up and it tasted really good. And then the middle was like this strawberry goo. You remember those? Okay, if you remember, you're old if you still like those. And so... I, I brought them up and I would put out a hundred of them, counting them out on the counter. And the resort owner would just look at me, this eight-year-old, I was in second grade, and he would just laugh and be patient with me. And we'd go in there and do it again over and over again. You know, that's one of my favorite memories. The other memory is not so great, but I remember I would, I would chase the girls on the playground in second grade, you know, because they would all run from me. It was wonderful. No. And, uh, you know, I, I remember just chasing them. And then my buddies, we would throw things at the girls. We thought it was a blast. And then we had wood chips. Do you remember when they used to have wood chips? Um, like the old, like real, real hard, tough ones. And when some of the playground equipment used to be wood. Yes, wood. And uh, like the old wood with the tires that you'd climb. And then the metal slide that took a year to get down. All those cool things. And so we'd like start whipping stuff at each other. And we, we were obnoxious. Like we were just, we were just crazy eight-year-olds. Now how many of you wish you could go back in time and just relive childhood again? You know, just be a little crazy. Get the strawberry candies. Some of you still get them. You can get them at the Dollar General. They're not the same, by the way. Just trust me on that one. But there's one character quality I didn't have as a kid, and it's humility. I don't, I don't know a lot of kids that they're like filled with humility. For me, I wasn't. And sometimes, though, I think we oversimplify what humility is. And just humility, putting it simply, is this perfect quietness of heart. You know, it, it's for me to realize that I never have to be fretted, I never have to be vexed or irritated or, or disappointed because I can trust in God. It's to expect nothing, it's to wonder at nothing that's done to me, to feel nothing done against me, it's to be at rest when nobody praises me, and when I am blamed or despised, to know that I get my worth in God and I humble myself before Him. It's to have a blessed home in the Lord where I can go and shut the door and kneel to my Father in secret and be at peace like such a deep peace of calmness when there's trouble all around. It's the fruit of the Lord Jesus, His redemptive work on the cross manifested in those who say we're His. 
by the power of His Holy Spirit, we get to live in that humility. And I love that. So here's what I want to do this morning. For those of you who are kids, and for those of you like me, kids at heart, I just want to show you here a short two-minute clip of a character we're going to talk about today, and his name's Josiah. So go ahead and put your eyes to the screen. God's masterpiece, Josiah. This is Josiah. Josiah became king of Israel when he was only eight years old. Yep. Now the country of Israel had a very long line of kings who did many bad things, including Josiah's father and grandfather. These kings did not follow after God, and they ignored his commandments and his law. But when Josiah became king, he did what God wanted him to, and followed the example of King David. Eighteen years after Josiah became king, he sent one of his court secretary, Shaphan, to God's temple. Thank you. Many of the kings before Josiah did not take good care of God's house, so it was in need of repair. Hmm. While they're in the temple, Hilkiah, the high priest, said to Shaphan, Hey! I have found the book of the law in the Lord's temple. So Shaphan took the scroll back to King Josiah and read it to him. When Josiah heard what was in the book, he was greatly upset. Oh, no! Because the people of Israel were not doing the things that God asked him to do. And Josiah knew that God must be angry with Israel for not obeying his commandments. Josiah gathered together all the people of Israel to the temple and read the entire book of the covenant to them. That very day, Josiah and all the people promised that they would obey all of what God commanded with all their hearts and souls. Josiah went on to help Israel become a people fully committed to God. He tore down all the other temples and the idols that they had set up. He got rid of all the people who were doing bad things all throughout Israel. And he did all that was commanded in God's book. Never before had there been a king like Josiah who turned to the Lord with all his heart and soul and strength, obeying all the laws of Moses. And there has never been a king like him since. I love this story. And before we jump in here, uh, really quick, you might say, why are, we, why are we playing a kid's video every service? It's right now we don't have kid's ministry. Right now we don't have worship ministry. And, and, and I just want to say this, you know, um, God has been challenging me in something. And maybe this is for some of you. This is just me talking for me for just a moment here before I dive back into the message. One of the things that God has been showing me is where's my heart? And, uh, you know... If the lights were stripped away, if the air conditioning was off, if there was no microphone and I had to be really loud, if you know, if if we didn't have worship or or any of those things, would I still come and worship at the feet of Jesus? And I had to really ask myself that question: like, am I here for me or am I here for Him? And and uh, a few years ago. Um, I was driving in my Toyota Celica. 
and everybody calls it a chick car, but it was the closest thing I had that looked like a DeLorean, so I loved it, all right? And uh, I remember driving a long way away, and I turned on the radio, and it was this awful music. I mean, just horrible. People were singing flat. It was, it was a church service live, and it, it, was just, it sounded really bad. And uh, anyway, I flipped the station. I'm like, I'm not worshiping the God to that. And I kept flipping and flipping and flipping. And, and there was just this still small voice, which is how I believe God speaks still today. And he said, if you can't listen to me to that, then what makes you think you can, or worship to me to that, what makes you think you can worship me to this? And I realized that my heart wasn't in the right place. And so I just want to thank you, because right now I know church isn't what we expect. It isn't what we have known, you know, up until 16 Sundays ago. And so thank you, thank you, thank you, because... My prayer is that we're here for the right reason. We're here to go, Jesus, we're here to worship at your feet, even if it's not through singing, even if it's just seeing each other and being together. I know we're spread out in a couple different services. As soon as we can have a worship team, as soon as we can have kids ministry, we're going to do that. But the reason we have a kids video is because kids and youth will always, as long as I'm alive, be the focus and not an afterthought of this church. Amen? Alright, so let's jump at, let's dive in here this morning, man. Um, 2 Chronicles chapter 34, verses 1 and 2. Here it is. If you have your Bible, that's where we're going to camp out this morning. Josiah was 8, 8, 8 years old when he became king. What? What? <laughs> oh my. Just like wrap your head around that for a moment, guys. <laughs> like, really? Just, just, wow. Okay. And he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, and he followed the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. This is mind-blowing. Okay? He became king at the age of what? Eight. He's eight years old. He reigned for 31 years. If you add those two things together, you get 39. I'm 41. Like, he reigned younger than I am older. What I don't know how to say it. I screwed it up for a service too. But it's mind-blowing to me that here is an eight-year-old who's king. Okay. Now, now, for those of you that can't comprehend what this is like, I'll give you a comparison of I was king versus King Josiah. King Josiah. You know, somebody goes into the temple, they find the book of the law, and for those of you that don't know, that's the first five books of the Bible, okay? Or known as the Torah or the Pentateuch. And they find it, and he reads it, and he's like, oh my gosh, we're not doing the stuff in it, we need to do this. And an eight-year-old, okay, first of all, you know how crazy this is? Do you know how long it would take to just listen to the first five books of the Bible in one sitting? Have any of us done that here? Any of us? Maybe a few? Okay, we're talking like at least about a half a day to listen to all of that. And it's all these rules and regulations. And King Josiah has the heart behind it and says, we're going to turn things around. At the age of stinking eight. Now, if I was your king, I would tell you what, the state fair would still happen this year. Okay? <laughs> if I was your king, we would have ice cream machines on every corner. Alright? If I was your king, Old Country Buffet wouldn't have closed. <laughs> If I was your king, Golden Corral would have never entered, okay? If I was your king, there would have been things that I would have done that had nothing to do with the will of God because I'm an eight-year-old. I, he's eight. And he says he followed in the ways of King David, doing good, not turning from the right or the left. I, 
I know you guys pretty well. I don't know all of you, but most of you I know, you and I would not have been like King Josiah at the age of eight, okay? We're not even like King Josiah at the age of whatever we are right now, all right? I'm not there. I haven't arrived. Maybe you have. But here he is. at the. This is mind-blowing. Josiah, he could have been a negative king. He could have been like, off with all their heads. I don't like them. He could have been critical. He could have been rebellious. And we're not going to follow those ways. We're going to continue to bow down to these gold statues. He could have been defiant. He could have been impatient, uncooperative, apathetic. He could have been arrogant. He could have been extremely discouraged with his family bloodline. He could have been just crazy, self-centered, or have the victim mentality of, well, all my kids that didn't go... Or all my parents that didn't go well, it's not going to go well for my kids, boo-hoo. But he didn't. He had a leadership mentality as a king at the age of 8 years old. Now, let's make it real here. You and I right now, I'm just going to take a guess. And I'm going to ask you not to raise your hand to this next following question. Again, don't raise your hand to this next following question. I would recommend not even any comments after this next following question. Are there any politicians right now that maybe you don't like? Here's the deal. We will never know whether our politicians, it's not king, but we have governors and presidents and mayors and all like, we will never know whether our politicians base their decisions on personal preference or what they deem best for you and I. Only God knows their heart. Well, but Pastor Chris, I saw... Yeah, we saw on the outside, but we can't see on the inside. We can't. Oh, trust me, I've wanted to too, just like you. But these attitudes that we all have are inner dispositions of our hearts and our thoughts. They are hidden intentions which will eventually serve as the basis for our actions like King Josiah. In reality, no one else really knows the thoughts of your heart except God. Okay? No one does. Okay? Consequently, attitude is something that only you and God work out. Change must take place inwardly. And Josiah, he was positive. He was encouraging. He was loving. He was cooperative. Considerate, selfless, loyal, confident. He was humble. A man of humility. Going, I don't know that I have what it takes, but we're going to figure this out. We're going to read the book of the law. We're going to trust in the Lord. See, this series, Knowing Part 2, the whole premise of it, is the fact that the curse is when we ate of the knowledge of the tree of the, tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because we basically said, forget you, God. We got it. We're going to figure it out on our own. We know what's good and what's bad. Where God's going, I already knew that and had it all ready for you you guys with this perfect garden but you kind of messed it up all of us have messed it up and Josiah humbled himself and goes man God knows right so I'm going to follow his ways we don't know the intentions or in the hearts of our leaders pray for them pray for the ones you disagree with pray for the ones that tick you off more than any of them pray for them pray for them God can do more to their heart than you can with your social media opinion Ouch, that hurt Pastor Chris. Good. Um, trust me, I have, I have written so many things that I have deleted and been like, God, is this bringing unity to your body? One of the things for me, though, is I can never know the intention of someone's heart or face. Only God does. I'll give you a great illustration. My wife and I, we will have been married for 20 years in a week and a half from today. 20 years, okay? Thanks. Half of you are excited. Half of you aren't. That concerns me. Um, We've been married a long time. I know my wife probably better than anyone else does. 
to this day, there's this face I get. And, and I don't know what the face means. I've been married twice. We've known each other longer than we've been alive than apart. And I still go, is she mad at me? Did I do something wrong? Is she just concentrating? Is she having a tough time with something? Is she angry? Is she mad? Is she reading a book? What is she doing? What is she thinking? Is she putting a a plan to build a deck together? I don't know. And so then I do the the mistake. I I ask her what she's thinking or how she's feeling. How are you feeling, honey? I'm fine. So I have a book that I'm writing right now of definitions of the word fine. There's, do you know how many definitions there are to the word fine? I, I love you, honey. It's easier to ask for forgiveness than it is permission. And I didn't ask her permission to share that either service. Let's move on quickly. Second Chronicles chapter 34, verse 19. When the king heard the words of the law, he tore his robes. I love this verse. It makes me think of like, just, I'm not gonna, don't worry, I'm not going to illustrate that, okay? But does this, and I, you'd see Superman anyway. King Josiah tears his robes. He tears it. Why? What did this represent? Well, this is a biblical sign of humility. It's a biblical sign of grief. Sometimes people during this time, they would actually shave their head to show that they were mourning or time of grief or to humble themselves before God. Or they would actually throw dust or they would put on different articles of clothing to say, God, I'm going to humble myself before you because I don't know why, God, and, and I'm grieving right now for you to take care of what only you can do. In fact, this tradition still happens today in Jewish funerals as the rabbi will actually cut the cloth to represent true repentance. We still see this today. You see, Josiah knew his father. His father. He knew him. He knew him. He knew that the people were not following God's ways. That they started eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. They were trying to decide for themselves rather than what it said in God's word. See, what was going to happen if you read 2 Chronicles chapter 33? It basically said that God was going to wipe them out. God's, God's patience had gone up. He said, you know what? They're not serving me. They never will. I'm, I'm done. I've tried and tried and tried and tried. And King Josiah humbled himself and he prayed. And he said, Lord, here it is, verse 27. Because your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself before God. He's talking to Josiah. When you heard what he spoke against this place and its people, and because you humbled yourself before me and tore your robes and wept in my presence, I have heard you, declares the Lord. Now this isn't a recipe for us to have God hear us. Well, I've got to tear some clothes and, and, and I've got to read all five books of the Bible. If I do that, then God will hear me. No, God hears you right now. It's an attitude and a posture of our heart. Are we surrendering that heart unto God? We're saying, Lord, your way. Not my way, your way. In fact, there's those of you that have been praying and praying and you've been broken for our nation for many different ways. You've been broken for the racial reconciliation. You've been broken because of the way things have been handled with COVID. And you've been praying and you're going, God, help. And God sees that. God sees that. He's going, I see your prayer. I see your hurt. See, those of you who have said, no matter what, no matter what happens, I'm going to keep God at the center. He sees that. He honors that all the time. Let me just give you a couple points that I believe are relevant and kind of tie all this together for us today. I don't know about 
you, but I love the Bible because the Bible speaks all the time. Constantly. It's constantly alive. Every time I read a scripture that I've read before, it's like God just speaks something new. So don't be afraid to go in and continue to learn. Number one, when we're not humble, it's when we stumble. Okay? When we're not humble, that's where we kind of stumble. In fact, one of my favorite stories, it's a, it's a man by the name of Booker T. Washington. If you don't know who this is, go and look him up. It's an incredible, incredible true story. It happened years ago. Booker T. Washington became the president of Tuskegee Institute, Tuskegee Institute in Alabama. Okay, he became the president here. And, and he was out and he was walking after he you know, received this job and he was walking in a very prestigious part of town. And a wealthy woman stopped by, not knowing who he was, and she just said, hey, can you come over and help me cut some wood? Sure, he did. He went over, helped him with the wood and hauled it into her house and all of that. Never once did he say, well, do you know who I am? Or anything. He didn't say, I'm the president of this institute in Alabama. Never once said that. No, Booker T. Washington went and helped her. Well, as he's helping her, there's a little girl there that sees him helping this lady. And the little girl says to the lady, says, do you know who that is? He's the new president. He's the president of the institute right here in Alabama. And she felt awful. She's like, oh my gosh. So she went, found him later, and said, sir, I, I didn't know that... You're the president. I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry. I would have never asked you to come help me with this you know, mundane job. And he's like, you know what? Sometimes I didn't have anything to do. And sometimes I just like manual labor. Thank you. And, and the lady goes on and, and actually invites some of her friends and gives thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars to help this private institute prevail from this story. It's an incredible story of Booker T. Washington having an incredible depth of humility. And if you want to read a great story about reconciliation of race, dig in deeper to this story. It's phenomenal. Second, humility is not denying your strengths, but admitting your weaknesses. Okay? I know a lot of you, and I'm going to pick on a lot of you right now. A lot of you, when we talk, you're so quick to say, well, I'm not that good. Well, I don't know my Bible well enough. Well, I don't know that I could ever do X, Y, Z. Dude, if I can be up here sharing a message from the Bible with you, if you knew me in my high school days, and Lori Krauss does, you can ask her, or she did, okay? If God can work through me, He can work through flipping anybody. I mean that. Seriously. There's days I'm like, Lord, I'm not qualified to do this. He goes, that's why I've chose you. There's days you say, God, I'm not qualified to do this. And God's going, yep, I know. Because through your weaknesses, his strength is made perfect and complete. And so realize the strength that he gave you. It's not from you, it's from him. And so the moment that we deny our strengths, you're literally denying God. <gasps> yeah, he gave you those strengths. We all have different strengths. That's good. We should. You know, I think some of us, we almost take this pride in being too humble at times. No, 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 I'm not. I, I can't do that. No, no, I'm, I'm not. I'm not good. You are good enough. Christ made you good enough. He paid the price on that cross. Okay? We're called to have the same attitude of that of Christ. And that's based upon humility. Beautiful, biblical humility. Okay? Humility isn't, you know, thinking less of yourself. It's just thinking about yourself a little bit less. That's all it is. That's all it is. 
Okay, Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. That's why Christ gave it all, because He loves you. He said, it's worth it. He said, you are worth it. Baby, I'm worth it. Come on, everybody know this song? That's a really bad song, Pastor. You shouldn't sing that from the pulpit. (laughs) I'm just taking after. Derek did this last Wednesday when he was here by himself. I watched him do a whole human video to it. So I'm just copying him. (laughs) Tape it. It's going online, man. Let me just give you a couple thoughts. I'm just going to shotgun these. Where do we humble ourselves? Well, a lot of different ways. We humble ourselves to God. You know, to God. Our attitude to Him should be that of humility, of reverence, submission, love, trust, obedience, a place of worship, prayerful to Him. What about to others? To others, our attitude should be that of humility, kindness, unselfishness, encouragement, caring, consideration, forgiveness, love, respect, and impartial. What about that to the authorities? It's getting too real, Pastor Chris. You're not ready for this yet. It's only second week back. Welcome. Our attitude should be respectful, cooperative, accountable, humble, helpful, encouraging, loyal, not resentful, defiant, or disrespectful. What about hard circumstances? Some of you have gone through that the last couple months. Our attitude should be of patience, thankfulness, perseverance, believing. What about to our church? Our attitude should be that of respect, faithfulness, helpful, willingness, cooperation, dependable, participating, encouraging. What about to our duty as Christians? Well, our duty should be that of faithfulness, responsible, obedient, cooperation, endurance, faithful endurance. Man, if we're doing it on our own, it's hard. You're doing it through Christ, it should be easy because we're relying on Him. What about to unfairness? Our attitude should be patience, humility, and confident in God's justice, not our own. What about to disappointment or tragedy? Our attitude should be humility, submission to God, prayerful confidence in God's firmness and fairness and His love. To the lost, to those that don't know Christ yet. Man, I tell you, that's what our church, that's what we're based on, that's what we're going to continue to be based on. Our attitude towards them will be and should always be compassionate, forgiving, encouraging, helpful, reconciling others onto God. What about to sin? And this might sound harsh. But our attitude should be uncompromising, unaccepting, intolerant, unsympathetic, yet fully compassionate and reconciling for the repentant to Christ. What about to those who are successful? Our attitude should be humble, humble, grateful, God-glorifying, not self-exalting or forgetful to God. And last here, to those misunderstanding. Anyone ever misunderstood you? It's because we don't know their heart can't see inside. Our attitude to them should be peacemaking, reconciling, patient, forgiving. Look what it says in the rest of this verse here in Philippians, verses 5 through 8. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Do you have the same mindset as Christ Jesus? Are you firm to believe that we... That's, that's a pretty tall order. That's a tall order. I know I don't always... That's through His grace that I received that. Verse 6, Who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to His own advantage. 
Rather, He made Himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man because He's fully man, fully God. What did He do? Here it is. He humbled Himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. You see, the curse is that we ate from that tree. We eat from that tree every day. We like to figure it out. We like to have the answers. We want to know. That's a curse. Okay? Adam and Eve didn't realize that they needed some fig leaves until they were cursed. If you don't know what I mean, ask your kids. Alright. The blessing... That, that's the curse. The blessing comes when we say, Jesus, I surrender to you. The curse is when we try to do it ourselves. The blessing is when we surrender to Him who humbled Himself to the obedient death on a cross. In fact, I'm going to put up the church number if we have that. And we just ask you every week, do you want to say yes to a relationship with Christ? There's no pressure, but we just want to pray for you. Just text yes. And if you say, I need to make it right today, text yes. You can write your name if you want. We just want to pray for you. You see, humility shows that I commit to Christ, no matter how good or how bad things get. And so that's my prayer for you today on this Father's Day. This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.